for Mother's Day, we handed out flowers to everybody. For Father's Day, we thought we might just hand out some like nails or like bolts or something. Um, we didn't do that, but we are gonna pray for you. Uh, so if you're a father here tonight, I'm just gonna ask you to stand right now if you're a dad. Wow. Well, happy Father's Day to myself as well. Well, hey, Kingdom Life, let's just, let's just thank God for all the dads that are here. Bless you guys. What we're gonna do is, if you're not standing, that means you're not a father. Uh, some of you will be someday. Um, what I'm gonna ask you to do is just kind of stretch your hand toward them, and if you're close enough, put a hand on them. And we're just gonna pray a blessing. You know, we, uh, we believe everybody's gonna be blessed tonight, but tonight, in this moment, we just wanna just pray a blessing over all of our dads. And what I want you to do is just begin to pray out loud that the Lord would just release his favor, that he would release his goodness, that he would release his kindness, and more than anything, that they would encounter the Father's love. So just begin to pray over them right now, just out loud, put it on your lips, just begin to speak blessing over them in your own words. Yeah, Father, we just bless all of these dads that are standing right now. Father, I ask that even in the next few moments, they would encounter your heart in a really fresh way. Father, all the ways that they've loved their kids and sacrificed and just laid their own lives down, I just pray that just in these moments, you would just pour it all back in. All the love they've poured out, even all of their hard work, Lord, that you would just refresh them right now. You would just release blessing over them right now. Father, if there's any hearts in these dads that are standing that need just healing from your love, I ask that tonight would be the night that you mend hearts, that you would just release the oil of healing that comes from your love over all of their hearts, God. We just speak blessing, blessing, blessing. And I just, I just declare over you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, his favor shine upon you and give you peace. So Father, we just pray blessing over them. Lord, even financially, relationally, physically, relationally, spiritually, we just say blessing, blessing, blessing in Jesus' name. Everybody said, let's just thank God for them one more time. Bless you guys. Thanks for being a dad. Well, hey, Joey has shared throughout the week a little bit of uh, what he has on his heart to share tonight. It's gonna be really, really good. So let's welcome Joey as he comes up. How's everybody doing? Happy Father's Day to you dads. That is, um, it's funny, I, went, I was driving back from my mom's house with my kids just to go over and see her and my stepdad, and um, I drive by Ben Reedy's house. Ben's sweating like a farm mule in his garage, hosing stuff out, and Travis and Annie are going, wait, this doesn't look right. I mean, because on Mother's Day, I think, like, Nikki probably got massages and the kids were all in the pool. I said, wait, we can't have two days for moms, right? Every day? No, it's not right. Hey, tonight, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about dads. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about dads, but that's going to be my example. But it's going to be about a lot of different relationships because life is full of perspective. Um, if we don't think life is about perspective, 
then we can get all messed up in how we see things because life is about perspective. Think about this, the sinking of the Titanic was a miracle to the lobsters in the kitchen. Think about that. It was. I mean, you can see the lobsters praying, don't put me in that boiling water, God. Get me out. Now, of course, theological theologians, I know lobsters aren't saved, have souls and talks, but this is what they would say. God, get me out of this kitchen. The boiling water's coming. And all of a sudden, the ship sinks, and they're back in the ocean, and it's a miracle because life is about perspective, always about perspective. And so I'm going to try to give you a little perspective about to, about relationships with dads, with each other. I'm gonna use my dad as an example. I'm gonna use my life as an example. Things I've went through that hadn't been that good. Things that I've screwed up on. Things that I've done well. Because if any of you are a perfect father, perfect mother, perfect friend, perfect anything, raise your hand. You're, two? Two? Okay, come here, get the mic. You're gonna teach us. No. Because if we, if we think we're perfect and everyone else is imperfect, we have a really bad perspective on how we're going to walk through life. And so many times in life we do that, not only to our dads and our dads to our children, because we have these expectations, that things get messed up in the process. Things get messed up with our friends. Things get messed up with our wives, with, with our husbands. And what we see is such confusion. And see, I, I'm speaking from victory in some of my things. I'm speaking in process of other parts of my life. And I'm speaking about I have no idea what's next. Because there's things I have victory in that I can speak to in confidence. There's things that I'm in process with that I just like to externally process with you. And I guess in more of a inner, uh, encourage you to process. And then there's things we don't even know yet. Because once we think we know is when we really have problems in our life. See, I had, a, I had a dad, and I talked to him today and let him know. I, I tried to get him to come, but I let him know when he gave me permission because we're open about our relationship. I had a dad that was a valedictorian in high school, college, and med school. A total egghead. <laughs> you know, you've heard the old expression, you know, magnum cum laude, cum laude, then thank you, laude. I was in the thank you, laude category of getting out of school. Yes, raise your hand. You have a witness. And because of that, you know, there was always expectations on me that I could never fulfill. And so my life journey was just always trying to meet expectations. See, I might focus on dad, but this is going to apply to everything. And hear me, I'm not talking about walking back into abusive relationships. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about connection, intimacy. I'm talking about finding those places with people that we have expectations on where we can actually have a connection point versus disconnecting because we're different or because we're not getting along or because they didn't give us what we needed. Everyone in here has a relationship with it. You know, I'm going to use, like I said, Dad's example. I want to be clear. But it, reply, it applies in all our relationships. Because once we put an expectation, then all that happens is disappointment. When we put something on somebody that we know, and I'm going to set the bar high that they're going to fail, I'm going to disconnect, and we're going to blame them. When all along, I put an expectation on them that I knew they couldn't fulfill or to fulfill a void in my life that no way they could fulfill but God. That's what happened a lot of times with, between Kelly and I. 
I would, we would, I would put an expectation on her to be a lot of things to me. But only God could fulfill a lot of things that I put on her to fulfill. Therefore, discontent, arguing, fighting. I mean, you've, if you've been in this church more than two weeks you, or ever heard me preach one time, our, our relationships did not start the way it is today. We've come through a lot because of expectation, because of no tools in my tool belt. Because I came from a household that if there was, there was no marriage tools to speak of as a model. I grew up in a house that was void of God, except on Christmas and Easter. You know, I really, I, you heard the expression I heard, you know, I really thought all we did was seeing as he was born and he is risen. I had no idea of anything in between those two events. We have such high expectations on people that who they need to be and what they need to do. Somewhere in our life, we had a voice in our head. And if you're, if you're, if you're your biggest critic, understand you're not. Someone put that voice in your head. You think you're your biggest critic because it's your voice, but somewhere in your life, it was put in your head. Justin Stumvall, I talked to him and Abby just, uh, just yesterday. But there was a piece that he wrote that I want to read with you that I just love. Those, if you, um, matter of fact, we're going to get their father series, which I think is just going to just be phenomenal. But we just love him to death. We spent some time on the phone with him yesterday. And, but hear, hear me on this. Though not even our earthly fathers can be the source of our identity, they do play a large role in pointing us to the one who is the source of our true identity. Through healthy care, and involvement, they have the opportunity to reflect a higher love that transcends their best efforts. For many people, they didn't have some evil father. They simply didn't know the one they did have. For many, they grew up in the same home as the one who gave them life, yet still didn't know him. This cut deeper than if he had been gone altogether because their pain doesn't seem logical. Most people say you can't change the past. It is what it is but I would challenge that passive message and say you can't change the past, but you can heal it and it can change your future. I think we, the passive message of the, of, of, that, of, the, of the I can't change anything is what's killing the church today because we allow anchors that we've had all our lives to maintain wondering why Christ won't free us from something we don't want to let go. We have to let go and choose to co-labor with Christ in order to get free, to move to the next level, to the next step, to the next process in life. But we find ourselves hanging on to these anchors because they're comfortable, because I'm afraid. I don't want to have this conversation. But God's saying, I mean, we, we, when you read the Gospels, you look out and say, our purpose in life is to live out our original design as sons and daughters of God, connected to God and connected in relationship with each other. See, we have reconciliation with the Father through Christ, but we have salvation by choice. We have to accept that invitation of reconciliation on the cross. And with that choice comes decisions in our life. And with that is connection and intimacy. He says, I stand at the door and knock. He's waiting on you to answer the door and say yes. And so the connection and intimacy with each other is a choice. Our connection with each other, just like our connection with our Father, is a choice. He is there. Do we choose Him? 
in that time to have intimacy, or do we run from him? And the same thing applies with us in the body of Christ, his conduit to the world. Are we illustrating and manifesting intimacy and connection with each other, or are we looking to be disappointed and, and hurt or offended, or it's not done my way? Can love, uh, can love overshadow our differences? Can a love of a father and a father's love for their sons and daughters overshadow the differences in what you think or might believe? Can we find those intimacy, those connection points that we can connect to and say, okay, at right here, because that's what happened to me and my father. We found, we found that point. See, we're all going through a process of life, all of us, including your parents, influenced by their parents with no tools. If, you're, if your dad is not here today, I'm not just talking about if your dad's here, there's, there's chances, there, there are marriages, there's, there's children, there's friends, there's uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters. I'm talking about that if they're not here, this message still applies because we can go to our loving father and say, Lord, heal this place in my heart. Though my father's not here, though my brother's not here, though my wife is no longer here, heal this place in my heart because he's the only one that can. Everything else that we're running to, money, fame, pornography, alcohol, drugs, you name it, the list of numbing mechanisms that we use will never fill that void. And so when people's fathers aren't here, they go, what do I do? I said, go to the father that really cares about you and watch him restore and redeem your thought because our fathers, whether they're good or they're still here, they, they were just doing with what they knew to do. You can't have orange juice pitcher pour out apple juice. And we have such an expectation of apple juice that we're always going to be disappointed. And so I'm going to share a little bit about my life, my father. Um, and by the way, I'm going to repeat this so anybody that's listening to this on the recording. I asked him to come, but he couldn't at Family Town. I told him what I was going to talk about. I said, I'm gonna, I said you, and, you and me, Dad, we're going to be the, uh, we're going to be the show pony today share life. I mean, I said, and um, this is a letter he, he wrote me in 1995, and I'm going to share it with you. See, I grew up not knowing my father living in the same home. He was really busy. He was never around, and he knows that. I mean, he was a doctor, and he was gone all the time. My mom had, was uh, around, but um, wasn't, we weren't really connected. Um, because this, I just want to be really, I'm not speaking colloquially, I just want to be very honoring, okay? So, um, our relationship was, was somewhat damaged because he was never around. And then it wasn't a typical father-son relationship when he was around, if that makes sense. Um, it wasn't your typical way father-son interacted or treated one another. As a result, we really had no relationship until... The time he left when I was 12 uh, made it official, and he left. And from there until I was age 23, you know, we maybe saw each other, you know, on the weekends or when, if I come up from college for a day. So our relationship was, was that of um, really distant. But what I came to realize is that I watched him living his life in a way that I wanted that connection. 
I remember at parents' week, dad's weekends when he didn't come and all the dads were there. I'm a, I'm a 19-year-old man in a fraternity in my room crying, going, why did my dad show? I was captain of the football team my senior year. Big games. Didn't come to a game. It wasn't his fault. It was only what he knew. He was busy, and I knew that. He could have made a choice, but what happened in me was bitterness and unforgiveness, and I never wanted to say anything to him about it. I was like, how can I connect here? I mean, there was, now, your, your examples might be so much different than mine, might be much more subtle, less dramatic, but we still desire a connection with our Father. We still desire a connection with our wives, our children, our friends, you know, we desire these relationships, and the theme I'm getting to is this connection and what we're willing to pay and sacrifice for connection. What are we willing to give up? Because I did. I wanted to hear my father say things to me that most fathers say, and I, I really desired wholeheartedly to go after it, to see it, to hear it, because I was manifesting everything that you do when you don't hear it. I was angry. I was a fighter. I drank a lot. I mean, I was just a bad guy. Well, not a, you know, I was just an angry elf. <laughs> How about that? Angry elf without the little booties. But it was one of those things in my life that it always, I always was looking for something, for validation. And that validation couldn't come, it was not coming. And you know, he divorced my mom, then he got married again, had two, a half-brother, half-sister, got divorced again, and then was about to get married again to a girl. To, he did get married again, but at this point he was not married to a girl about my age. And, um, and I'm going to give you the end of the story real quick. As you know, I talked to my dad today, so there's a redeeming, re redemption comes in this. So... There was honest conversations I had with my father throughout this time. One time I went to him and I said, hey, this isn't working. You weren't a very good father to me. And we tried to reboot. And he went through my first mom, my, my second mom, and then he was about to marry this one. And then my sister and brother and I said, um, hey, we got to talk to Pop. So we flew, into, we flew into Houston and had an adventure with my father. We wanted to go tell him as his original children, this is how we feel. This is what we see in your life. This is, this is something, because he didn't know God. He was living his life his own way. We saw destructive patterns in his life. And we went there, or at least I went there, with really no connection with my father, but just a love to see something happen in his life, most likely so I could get something back. I wanted something back. Now, this is being honest. I don't know if I wanted something back more than I wanted him to be saved at that point. Today, I'm so glad. But it was one of those moments I just wanted connection. I wanted something that I could connect to as a father. Because I, I wasn't getting this. I didn't understand this at all. I led Bible studies not really understanding the love of the Father. I did things that, I mean religious things, to look good, memorize scripture, but I had no idea how to connect with a father on earth, much less in heaven. And it was, it was something that made me strive. I, I mean, I, competitive, type A, driven, 
I mean, just anybody that knows me, y'all can finish the rest of that sentence while I sip of water. <laughs> but I wanted to find that my original design is a son, but I didn't know what a son looked like. I didn't know what a father looked like. We have reconciliation, and I just didn't understand reconciliation because I felt like somebody owed me something. We're all going through this process, but I wanted to stop the cycle, the dysfunction, and the pretending. So we flew to Houston and had an intervention, and we told them what we thought. Here's what we see. It went up like a lead balloon. He looked at us and said, why are my kids lecturing me? Why, what gives you the right to come in here and tell me how to live my life? That was November of 94. In February, of 95, six months later, I get a letter. Dear Joey, just a short note, but a long overdue message. I pray this is something that we can all walk away with knowing there's more out there. I'm not crying because I'm sad about my relationship with my father. I'm crying because God redeemed him and that I hope this testimony can open your hearts to run ravishly after people. For years I've been living under the sun with very little spiritual guidance. Through you, Greg, and Cindy, and an enduring love for Jesus Christ and the impact of Second Baptist, I've turned my life around completely. Each day I thank God for the three of you as well as the rest of my family. I've asked forgiveness for the sinful things in my life, and there were a great deal of sins. I feel I've been forgiven. The rest of my life will be different now. I have found peace with God. I still have a long way to go studying the word, but I will never stop. Thanks again for helping me, and thank you for being my son. God bless you, Dad. When I got that letter, I think I understood really why I went in there. I wanted to see my dad saved. And I wanted a connection. Because see, what I found out was he got saved, but I still had to find that connection point. Because we still had a history where we didn't understand each other. He didn't understand my, who I was, and I didn't understand who he was. So though he was saved and redeemed, I still had to pursue what is it? Where does water find its level where I can connect with my father? And this is the same thing in your friendships and in your marriage and with your moms and dads. Just, I'm just using my dad. You're finding that connection point versus running away. I could have said, boom, he's in heaven. I'm out. I got nothing. But instead, I want to go, where is that connection point? And our connection point is not your typical father-son relationship. That's not where we are. I I don't want to um, just uh, title it with y'all because it is what it is. Because I don't think a title would give you a full description of what my relationship with my father looks like, good or bad. A title would give you a place to judge it. 
Not that I don't mind being judged, but what I'm trying to do, I want to be accurate and honoring. But we found this connection point, and it's, it's where we live in peace, where there's no expectation on me. There's no expectation on him. We just love each other where we are, and we're connected the best we can without selling, and there's nothing unsaid anymore. If I have an issue, I talk to my dad. If he has an issue, he calls me. We're honest. There's actually a connection to where we communicate honestly of how we feel. If we're disappointed, what's wrong? I mean, and it's not real intimate, but it is what it is. And it's something to where the, um, we had church four years ago. My dad came and heard me preached. And he said, hey, I want to come watch. And he came. I was 40, I'm 54. I was 49 years old. I was done preaching, walked over, and he said, I'm proud of you, son. First time in my life I ever heard that. The first time I ever heard someone say they were proud of me was I was 46 years old when I got ordained in this, uh, pastor of this church by a man named Joe White. After he laid hands on me and they prayed for me, he goes, proud of you, son. Broke me. 46 years old. And it's one of those things where we... We, we think, hey, we're all living this life. We're okay. This is my normal. You know, hey, we go and have our dysfunctional Christmases and our Thanksgiving, and then we talk about them on Monday, but we don't do anything to change them. God, Christmas was great. And the next day after Christmas, God, my parents, my kids, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters, my wife. And nobody wants to talk about it. But we'll come to church the next Sunday and wash the windows, love God, and then we don't do anything. And God's saying, hey, I want to join in with you. I want, you. I want to give you courage to go and do things. You don't have to be confrontational. You just have to love somebody enough to say, you know what? This isn't normal. I want to talk. Are y'all Okay. Just like we're not perfect, God's, and God starts in a relationship with us, so we are to stay connected in relationship without having any expectations on people, without considering the effects. We ask God, why seek, you know, why God? We try to seek understanding, but we get afraid to, to have it with our own parents, kids, and friends. See, we'll ask God and yell at God, why this happened? You're going, well, she's in the next room. Why don't you go talk to her? He's just down the street. Why don't you go talk to him? Your kids are in your downstairs. Why don't you go talk to him? Why, God, why? Won't you take care of this? Because go talk to him. He's asking us. What, I think what we think is that God, and we're going to go, Lord, fix my child. Lord, fix my wife. Fix my husband. Make my dad love me. And I don't want to do a thing about, I don't want to do a thing. Give me the silver bullet, God, and go and do these things. He goes, no, I brought you here that you can, I can work through you and watch these things change. My family did not change because I told them all the important things in Scripture. My family changed because I changed. God did something in me, a slow bake. I mean, most people sometimes will be, you know, microwaves. 
for some reason, because I'm stubborn, I guess, I was a crockpot. And it took me a while. And I still screw up all the time. Ask anybody in here that's close to me. I'll put my, but my point is, is that he's waiting on us to co-partner with him to walk through this stuff together. Because he wants us to engage in intimate relationship and not be afraid. So, I mean, I don't title my message, but I'm sitting there thinking, going, this is an encouragement to engage in the battle without thinking the word battle is bad. That you're going to have, seek intimacy with people, seek reconciliation, seek understanding, no matter how painful it is. Because I tell you what, it was painful with my father. It was painful with my brother. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I could... I go through a whole list of my family. But it was one of those things that it was, what, what price do you have on, what value and price do you put on relationship and intimacy versus comfort? If comfort is your goal, comfort you will have without intimate relationships. Now, that's a broad statement, but I think I'm pretty, pretty accurate after doing 30 years of ministry. Because I've seen the comfort of life ruin intimate relationships. Not that you can't have comfort in, in intimate relationships, for those of you taking notes. <laughs> but you can. But the comfort of, oh, I don't want to go do that. Everything seems so smooth. And why do you complain about it the next day? Why is the same topic on your prayer discussion list with God? Why are you having your friends pray for something for the last five years? Why are you, why are you, why are you, instead of why is God? Lord, I want this to change, but doggone it, you somebody else. One of the issues that I think is so prevalent is they're afraid to get in other people's storms. See, I don't let people pull me into their storms. I want to pull them into my peace. That if you have a perspective of going into a storm, that the storm is going to affect you, that Jesus gave us power and authority over storms, then the storm will suck you in and spin you around. So I don't go into people's storms. I drag them into my peace. Not all the times. I can lose it like anybody else. But when you have a perspective of, oh, am I going to go talk to my son? I'm going to go talk to my wife. I'm going to go talk to my dad. And I'm going, oh, the storm that's going to happen. We've already dictated who's in control. You carry the Holy Spirit, the Prince of Peace, the power of God to go into a situation and bring peace to a situation that everyone in the storm can be clear-minded and see that when people when you're going in and talking about difficult things people feel loved over over judged because right it's God it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance God is a kind God that's why we have to be kind loving people that actually can reflect that to where people can see our lives change see I've said this before and I'll say it again, we can't be the judge of our own fruit. 
It's like proofreading your own English paper. Other people judge your fruit. And if you hand it to them and they take a bite and it brings life, that's good fruit because my fruit brings life to Anne Marie. But if she eats it and goes, God, this isn't. That's on me. It's the judge of my fruit. So I want the people we encounter, the people you encounter, to taste and go, wow, this is life, not death. They might not like the package it delivers in, but it's a life package. They might not like the way you say it, but it's a life package. They might not like your personality, the way you dress. They might not like what car you drive or anything. They might not like your theological views, but do you bring life when you speak? Do you bring life when you love? Do they feel your love? My dad felt loved but judged because that was him. Six, then he walked into a pastor and gave his life to Jesus. And then we got this letter. But it was the comfort, it was this, that was confrontational. My wife and I have had really bad, bad disagreements in the past that were handled so much differently than they are today. Because I love her, she loves me, we're for each other. Our children, when they, when they do things, knuckleheadish. Our relationship here is so different than it was in the past because of intimacy, connection, that we value connection, we value that place of connection and intimacy more so than justice. Because we can get to any punishment, but they're too old now for that. But I mean, we can get to that, but I wanna get to their hearts first. If I can get to their hearts, then I can get an understanding of what God is working on in them so we can understand them better. With my, with my father, I just want to know what makes, what makes my dad tick. My mother, I want to know what makes her tick so I can better understand and minister to her. I still get triggered from these some things, people in my family. And when I get triggered, I'm going, hey, sometimes I go, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. <laughs> but when we get triggered, but it doesn't keep me out of the game. I can go, God, I just got triggered. Oh, get back in the, get back in the game. Because we always want to be back in the game where we can connect and not lose. Because if we can't connect with our family, how do we expect to really connect with other people? What are we hiding in our lives? Malachi, at the end of Malachi, the last chapter of the Old Testament, Elijah says, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I don't think he was lying there. And in John, John 8 and 31, verse 30, yeah. If you abide in my word, which is Jesus, and you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Skip down to 36. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The truth always sets you free, Always. How many of you want to hear the truth about your life? You always want to hear the truth about your life. Here's, here's how I see your life. Don't you think people that don't know the truth want to hear the truth from you? Just to know you love them. They might not receive it. My dad didn't receive it. But it was planted. That we can go and love somebody love our spouse, love our children, love our, our friends, love the people in our lives 
enough to connect and risk risk being the lead balloon going up like with my father. I really did. I flew out of Houston going, I wasted $300. That was my attitude. But it was a risk that I was willing to take for him and for me. Are you willing to take risk for someone in your life that you're not connected to and go and love them and share truth with them? When I say truth, I'm not talking about just preaching the gospel to them. I'm talking about telling them how you feel, how you see your relationship. This is how I see our relationship. You know, that's what I told my dad. This is how I see your relationship. I don't have a relationship with you. I'm not connected with you. I don't, even, I don't know much about you. I don't know much about this girl you're about to marry. I don't know anything. What's going on with you? Why are you doing this? Who are you? Those were my questions. My brother and sister had different questions. But it was just, it's, this, is how, this is how it makes us feel. Dad, you're going to go do this. It wasn't, I judge thee. I, you know, you're wrong. It was, help me understand this. Just like Kelly, Kelly and I, she's a seven, I'm an eight. It's like, how do we understand each other? Let's understand each other. Jeff's a nine. Harder for me to understand Jeff and Jeff to understand me, you know? Randy, a lot different communicator than me. I got to, you know, it's like, but we have to work on understanding one another because we all have different histories, different triggers, different lives, different families. And so we're, we're all rubbing up against each other trying to work this out. But one thing I can say about these two men and me is we all love each other. And so we're not walking away. We're not disconnecting because if one disconnects, we run after the other one. But we're trying to find that point in our differences of what connects us. Because I value relationship, and so do they. And so it's not a challenge where you draw the sword and start ripping and shredding everyone you know, begging for intimacy. It's help me. I want to connect with you asking questions. The truth will set you free and will set them free. I would rather regret the things I've done than regret the things I haven't done. You'll never... I would regret the things I've done 10 times over versus regretting the things I've never done or I won't do because I didn't have the courage or the encouragement. When, so, when someone tells me, people go, well, you're confrontational. No, I can be confrontational. I have the courage to be confrontational. See, with some of the stuff from high self-esteem, you think you can help everybody, so you walk in with confidence. It's one of my weaknesses. But it's, it's, a, it's a, I desire to see people set free. I high value of that. From whatever binds them, I have a high value for seeing people set free. Because when God is continuing to set me freer, and, the, and I think God asked Kelly this one day, how free do you want to be? All the way. Oh, I just, you know, just take one chain off and I'll drag the rest. No. Think about it. How much cancer do you want? just a little bit. No, you want it all gone. So why wouldn't we want to be free from the things that entangle us, the things that were poured into us by teachers and mentors and bad teachers and parents and stuff that were bad, and not all of it was bad, but we get poured into and we create a lifestyle and we create a persona and we create this protection mechanism. We live our life and we pass it down to our children. I see so much of Travis in me, and there's some of it that's, wow, it's great. 
But then there's sometimes a little angry elf in there. <laughs> but it, and of course, Kelly goes, that's, that's your part. Yeah, she does it all the time. That's your part. But it's so good because we can laugh about it because we're connected where I go, okay, that's totally me and Travis. And same with Annie. You know, they have traits that I have and their mother have, but some of them are bad because I didn't have a lot of revelation when they were younger, so I screwed up all the time, poured stuff into them, grabbed them by the face mask and football, said, go hit somebody. You know, he's just going, ah! You know, smoking ground balls at Joey because he would miss the first one and, you know, pipping him in the knee, going, come on, field it. You dads, don't judge me. You know, and I know those things are in them that I did, and I take responsibility for that. And I actually, I've shared this before, had all my kids on the bed, and I repented to them for all the things that I did that was so bad and not of God but was of me that I did, it just was icky. And, I, you know, we prayed to just get rid of it. Don't think about that stuff. Let's, you know, and it, it was so healing for me and them to say, yeah, I messed up. Here's my tool belt. My dad, my mom, but you should admit their parents. My, great, my grandmother on my mom's side. Anyone that knows me is laughing right now because they know this story. I mean, scotch and palm oil cigarettes, man. El Paso, Texas, no air conditioning, 90-degree heat. Whole family leaves me there to go to an air-conditioned hotel and stuffs me in a room with my grandfather. Traumatic <laughs> scar tissue. And my grandmother would say this, and I, this is funny, and I could, I could have any one of my friends come up and say this because it's funny. She'd be over there sitting in her things. I'm sorry. My, she's not here, but this is, this is funny. <laughs> because I'm free. I'd be like, you know, smoke a cigarette, drink a scotch, going, Jojo, come rub my neck. <laughs> you know, it's just like. <gasps> huh? And so. I can laugh about it because I'm free from it. Because, yeah, I had, some, I had some stuff that was done that we can laugh about. And I'm just trying to share my life. And if you can connect with any part of my life that says, I want to go, this is, this is what I think I have the grace to do right now. This is what I think I have the grace to do to reconnect with somebody. Because this place, I think the kingdom of God, but also this place is about intimate relationship. Allowing us to understand who we are as sons and daughters to act out of original design, to be sons and daughters, so we can glorify God and spread his word through the earth, but also spread his love as our lead. Not our judgment and our Bible verses and stuff, but our love that will lay down our life for somebody because it's the right thing to do, not because we get an elder badge, but it's actually because we love people and we connect with people. How far, you know, it's like the untouchable. How far are you willing to go? And then how far are you willing to go for someone you love? I will storm the beach with my friends, and I know they will storm it with me. There's no thank yous needed. It's because we love each other. If the church isn't known for love and loving enough to have healthy confrontation that's going to make you uncomfortable because you had a 40-year relationship with your father, your brother, or, hey, the marriage is kind of scooping around right now. I'm going to wait. It's kind of smooth. Or your children because they're in such a good place but you don't want to have that conversation with them, where you can grow in intimacy and honesty and, and authenticity 
Because I don't want to be partially free or just a good life. I want to be as free as I can be having a great life. Because I think that's what I'm, when I read the word, that's what I'm promised. I'm promised on my side that God wants to do things through me that allows me to be free enough to be honest with other people in loving them. Right now, if you hate confrontation, you're going, oh my gosh. It's nothing about confrontation. My voice just sounds confrontational. But even a guy like me can go into situations that love people and just point them to a place of freedom. If you can see this, if you can understand this, and you give someone a vision for what life can be like, what their kids can be like, their marriage can be like, their parent relationship can be like, and they go, and they actually can understand it, but then the hardest part is to step into it and act on it. If you can do that, you're gonna bring people to freedom. It's not painless. Freedom can be painful. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was painful for me. I had to deal with some stuff I didn't wanna deal with. It was, I mean, golly, I dealt with some stuff I didn't wanna deal with. But with the help and love of people that I love and trust walking me through it, I continue to uncover the onion. And in that onion, because listen, guys, I'm so tired of, of the, 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 I'm gonna rant for a second. I'm so tired of the people that want to go and, and share all their knowledge with people and not love people. That it's, it's almost like a marketing campaign of Jesus. Okay? They want to market Jesus and be the guy, be the woman. But they don't love people. I'm so tired of that because I think it, we have to do so, uh, so much undoing. And when, when that happens and you show up at someone, you show up to love on somebody and go, God, this has never happened before. Travesty in the church. When we, when someone comes into a church and you do something as simple as loving on them a little bit and they go, this has never happened to me in the church. Okay, ran over. Um, so what I, what I want to, I think for y'all to see is that it's not easy to be intimate and have connection it wasn't easy with me and my father. And sometimes it won't be easy with you and your father, you and your son, you and your daughter, you and your wife, you and your, your friends. I wanted to use my father as an example because it's probably usually the most challenging relationship because there could be a fear involved, depending on the relationship. Could be intimidation involved, could be abuse involved, could be all sorts of things. Authority, you know, you're taught, mm, you know, that you actually can't have a conversation, what he says goes, which, early age, that was my house, what I said goes. And so they wouldn't want to speak to me. Now they speak to me about everything, sometimes too much. <laughs> but does that make sense? And so what I, what I desire for y'all is, uh, is to just go to God to figure out where, what relationships am I missing? What relationships do I actually desire more from and, or want to have an understanding? or are difficult, or we don't have a connection, it's a family member and we need to be connected in some way. They're, they don't listen. Maybe you don't love. Well, they'll never listen to me. 
maybe you don't love them. Or maybe they don't feel loved by you. Maybe they feel judged by you. I don't know the answer to your question. I had to find out the answers to mine. And some of them were really ugly, and some of them worked out pretty well. But we can't move the ball down the field in the kingdom of God if we're not having relationships with the people we're supposed to love. Because Galatians 6.10 says, so then while we have the opportunity, let's do good to all, especially the household of the faith. So how do we go out and, I'm going to go change the world, but I can't change my family. I'm going to go change the world and feed orphans, but I don't like my friends. I'm going to go help human trafficking, but I haven't talked to my father in three years. I think take hold of the house. Because spreading our dysfunction from our dysfunctional relationships is contagious. Y'all okay with that? Stand with me, please. What I want to pray is something that I just pray. Let me just pray it. Father, I just pray you move in everyone's life here in such a way that they see people for how you created them as sons and daughters, not as enemies, but as sons and daughters to open up their hearts, to take the risk, take the chance to go out and see about freedom in their own life and the freedom of the relationships that they have, whether it be their father, their husband, their wives, their daughters, their sons, their friends. Father, that you just open up their hearts to go and pursue intimacy, pursue connection, pursue those hard places that only you can open up. I pray, Father, that you would give people courage. You would keep, give people boldness. You would give people a compassion and a love and, and an empathy for others and the people that they're, that they're disconnected with. I pray for sons and daughters to come back to their fathers and mothers and vice versa, Father. I pray for marriages to be restored, Father. I pray for people that have lost their parents, that have these this anxiety, this stress, these tendencies in their own life, that, Father, they come to you and you give them the answers and the freedom that comes from an intimate Father healing those dark places. Holy Spirit, go on those people, penetrate their hearts that have been damaged by fathers and mothers and friends that are not here, that they can get freedom from you, Father. May everyone here feel the loving arms of a loving Father right now. And may that feeling, they would take the steps to help someone else have that feeling. In Jesus' name, amen.